everybody. I'm Marianne Katsidis, and this is the Heart-Led Changemaker podcast. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where it felt so juicy and inspired that it left you feeling energized and ready to take on the world? There have been countless times I wished I could have recorded conversations like that because it felt criminal that no one else got to hear or experience that feeling. Those conversations ignite something inside of you because you visualize a new way to connect with others and sometimes even a new world. This show will provide you with ways to stay focused on the future, some food for thought, new ideas and concepts, a way to create abundance ethically, a showcase of those already doing the work and succeeding, and a sense of connection. Being a change maker can be very lonely, so this will serve as a community for heart-led warriors. Sit back and let this high-vibe, heartfelt conversation light you up. Deborah Wolf is a shamanic healer and ancestral walker. She's been trained in trauma-informed somatic practice and offers grounded, nurturing and deeply magical work for her clients. Welcome, Deborah. I was so excited to chat with you today about the embodiment of the divine feminine and the opportunities and challenges in communicating with the divine masculine. It's mm, a really good topic. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> in case our audience don't know or aren't familiar, what is Soma Shamanic Healing? It's like a combination of two modalities, really, that I felt went really well together. So I've been doing shamanic healing for about 11 years under a teacher. And then I started doing somatic therapy for myself. And I just fell in love with it. And I realized I need to add this to my work. So shamanic healing is basically soul work. And the idea of it is that everything is first created in the soul or the spirit or the mythic before it transforms into our body and into this like reality and um, so what I do is I journey with the soul I find the exiled parts the shadow part and I bring them back into the body using compassion and empathy and safety and grace and things like that and somatic therapy is kind of the same thing actually but with a different lens and it's about tracking the exiled parts of the inner child and helping them feel safe again so that they integrate back into the body. And instead of like, you know, seeing dragons and monsters and shadowy things like you do in, in shamanism, you're actually seeing parts of the person that have become developed to protect the person. You know, sort of like if somebody has a closed heart, you might see a big castle surrounding their heart and it's and it's blocked so that's a protector part so the two actually it's the same it's the same thing but different like ways to look at it and I find that going back and forth has been really powerful and it's given my whole level of um, healing and holding this extra like feminine energy that wasn't that wasn't available just with shamanism yes because even from my experience you can't truly embody the divine feminine without all of that you know without that protection on like that protection has to leave your sphere if you will in order mm. to be in that softness and so is that yeah. how you're helping your clients 
Yeah, it's basically, uh, it's like the best defense is an open heart sort of thing. So it's reminding them that the oldest part of their heart, the one that knows them from this life and other lifetimes before, that's actually the truest, their truest nature and the truest, most authentic part of them. So when they remember that part, it's like they're able to just shift into that place automatically because it's really, it's more them than their wounds their childhood trauma, anything that they're carrying, any story or narrative that they're going with. And when they are from that place, they start to be able to see um, exactly what's in front of them with more clarity and purpose. And um, they're able to go, okay, so my inner child, she actually needs me to be still. She actually needs me to hold her. She she actually doesn't need to go through this situation. So I'm just going to rest and be with her. So, Yeah. Yeah, so how would you describe the divine feminine embodiment? I think it's like somebody who can say no, actually. I think it's like that part of us that is like this fierce mama energy and she's able to, basically I think the opposite of the divine feminine is the wounded child, you know? So the wounded child is the one whose nervous system is frantic and and she's needy and, and She's she's basically like a shaken little deer or a crying baby and the divine feminine comes in and she's that oldest part of her heart that I was saying and she knows exactly what she needs and she says, no, I'm not going to do this or she has discernment and she has like clear thinking and clear judgment and makes the decisions that are really tough that the inner child wants to just go, oh, but I want this, oh, but I need this. And she goes, no, no, baby, that's not good for you. So I'm going to show you what's good for you and I'm going to hold you. And I think, yeah, that holding as well is a really deep part of it because like sometimes we think that we have to run around and we have to heal so quickly and we have to purge and we have to like worry up and, you know, go get it and be ambitious and stuff. But the divine feminine, she wants to sit back and receive and she wants to be in that place where she trusts that the right thing is going to come. And um, instead of going very like a straight arrow towards things, she wants to know that there is plenty, there is an abundance of healing and rest and integration. So part of my journey was like with um, the shamanic path that I did, I did a lot of heavy lifting for about 11 years. And that involved me constantly worrying up and doing these really big initiations and rites of passage. And I, what I found was I took a year off, like not by choice, it was on purpose, like spirit forced me. And so I had to take like a year off. And what happened in that year is I ended up processing all of the stuff that I had actually gone through, that I had actually healed. And I ended up integrating. And then I was able to carry this feminine medicine that accompanied me on this. So yeah, I would say saying no, having discernment, mothering ourselves, mothering our inner child, and um, yeah, uh, deeply resting and knowing that that is healing in itself. Do you feel like between the healing, the initial sort of you have the awakening, you have the healing, you start uh, embodying some of that divine feminine energy, but to really be in it, there is a a trust that needs to be there that you can protect yourself whilst being soft? I think that's a learnt experience. I think um, because we don't know that initially, but I think the more we put ourselves in that position, we start to get a resilience 
and we start to go, okay, I've been through this before. I know that I can survive. I know that this is hard and all I need to do is feel my way through it. I just have to feel like I just went through the ending of a 15-year marriage and boy, it was so painful. And the way that I dealt with it, and I still am, and I, I know that this is this is a long road, but I refused to have my heart closed in this. I refused that. And I really wanted to feel everything deeply. I really wanted to give myself time to grieve and not put myself in positions where my nervous system wouldn't be able to handle it. Yes, that's quite yeah. the contrast from, from what I chose to do after a nine-year relationship and a divorce. I shut my heart right down as I, I really I couldn't take anymore and uh, I was a broken shell there was nothing yeah. left of me internally I was you know physically there obviously but internally you know unrecognizable empty definitely but right. as a way of protecting I shut everything down and and I did have my awakening and I did have all the healing and eventually all that all that woundedness, resolved but there was that that place where I was still unwilling just to let go and trust myself that I was drawing in good experiences even though I absolutely was and there was evidence everywhere there was still a part of me that was holding in reserve and I feel like a lot of the feminines out there who have done that work a lot of them have still got anchors to that hardness they don't quite know how to soften but they want to do you I think that process is part of it I think what you just said I I feel like as you were saying it there's like this general okayness about it like my heart as well completely contracted and there's actually this dance between me struggling to open it fully and me having to contract like the contraction is a protection you know as long as we can map it out and know that this is what's happening to us And that it's also a really important stage of grief, you know, to like cover ourselves up and hide away and and really go through that. And, you know, after after something like a marriage, like nine years, like there is a death that happens. There is there is a big death that happens like in us and in that space that that was inhabited by this person that's no longer there. So there is a natural crumbling like that is definitely part of it. But to feel feel your way through the crumbling, that's the hard part. Like I've had nights where you wouldn't recognize me. Like I hear you. I I had to hold myself. I was shaking in the dark. Like you know, I was I was empty. Yeah. And then and but then I just kept feeling. I was like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel this. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing. Pain. Yeah, that's been the game changer for me is allowing myself to feel. And so that kind of leads me to my next question, because we've spoken about the divine feminine, but what does the divine masculine embodiment look like to you? What does that feel like and look like? I love the divine masculine so much. (laughs) It's still quite new to me, you know, because I grew up with like a lot of boys and unhealed masculine sort of thing. But the more that I've been working on myself, the more I've sort of seen these beautiful beings I guess what I can say is um, they're deeply present and they're deeply listening to the space that's created between you and them. There's a curiosity instead of this like taking energy. There's a curiosity for intimacy and like dancing with that and what's going to come up for me. There's a deep listening to themselves as well. And it's just so powerful. Like um, 
Yeah, and, and and there's this stillness and this holding as well. Like what men may not realize is they they really want to protect us and they really want to they end up fixing, rescuing, stuff like that. But being around a divine masculine, they don't try to do those things. They know that you have the capacity to do it yourself. So there's this holding instead. It, and, it, and it is this incredible thing to be held by a divine masculine who knows that you're going through something and you just need to be held compassionately and have support as you go through it because you will get to the other side. I mean, they truly, when you when you come across a divine masculine, they truly see you, don't they? They see who you are. So they don't expect you to perform or tap dance or prove, you know, anything. They just are curious about you. And, and it feels like a real blessing, don't you think? Yeah, it does. Like um, being around them is like, it is a blessing, but it's also like this catalyst feeling. Like I remember we spoke about this. It's like, okay, so I had this instance where I met like a real divine masculine earlier this year and my body said to me, oh, he can hold you. Like I didn't even speak to him. I didn't have words with him yet. And I just knew that this person could handle me, could handle the crazy me, the emotional me, like that he, that he had the capacity to hold. And when I started talking to him, what I noticed was that I was feeling strong when I was talking to him. He, he it, there was, I don't want to say he allowed me to be strong, but it's like his energy was so receptive to me that I was allowed to just be myself. And I wasn't like this shy, shaking little person that sometimes happens to me around very strong men, but I was very powerful and in my body. So I noticed that being around him allowed me to really come out as me. And what happened to me, it was such a catalyst that the next few days I went through this like emotional kind of purge sort of thing where it changed me in a way, like being around that energy made me realize that that's, that's all I want. Yeah. yeah, and I refuse to settle for anything less. Oh, I hear you, girlfriend. I hear you. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a completely different experience. I, I remember the first time I had an interaction with the divine masculine. I think I told you this story where I was interviewing him. Um, he, he you know, he was overseas, and luckily, um, he was because that I, I physically. My body had a physical reaction. I broke out into a sweat. I had a sweat mo. You know, lucky he couldn't see any of that, but I could feel so intensely the energy there. And and it wasn't on a romantic level, but my my physical being was receiving and understanding what that energy and that interaction feels like, looks like, how it operates. And there is so much strength there, but not in a commanding way in in the most beautiful playful gentle strength uh that you know you've ever seen and and so of course me too what well, like that's the kind of that's the kind of energy that you want to be in that's the kind of man that we want to see more of um mm. and and hopefully more and more are starting to do that internal work so that they can embody that because just like the divine feminines have been wounded by the masculine the toxic masculine men have as well. They have also been on the receiving end of toxic masculinity. So there yes. is that they also need to do the healing. 
many, many years ago when I was a kinesiologist, I started to uh, do some posts about healing the divine masculine. In fact, one of my art collections that I did and exhibited across Melbourne in Australia, that exhibition itself was about healing the divine masculine within the feminine. So there was a lot yes. I was I was I was tapped into that, but I had I still at that point hadn't actually come across a divine masculine. Now I do, and those experiences are so sacred. The the mm. ones in the physical are different again, that they're like, you know, especially on a romantic level, they're quite intense. But it is mm. uh it is another opportunity for you to go within and look even deeper in yourself there's like another layer I feel like you can't get to without the divine masculine and I feel like that's true of a lot of relationships you learn another part of yourself but with the divine masculines and the divine feminines together there's a there's another there's another place uh that you can reach because that union is so sacred and it's contained in that beautiful energy that juicy energy oh my gosh your words are like butter yeah, I love that. I love that. And I was thinking that uh, just before you started saying it, I was resonating. It is about the parts of us inside. And I didn't realize it until you said it, that I've actually, as I've been on this healing journey, I've been healing my feminine aspect, but my male aspect this year, especially in the last three months, has really, really come up. And it's getting healed as well. And I'm noticing that there's so much more balance in me that wasn't previously there. And this ability to speak up and be soft and be strong at the same time and have this sense of like, I feel this power in my belly that wasn't really there before. It was more really like this feminine watery energy, but I feel like this fire in my belly is like, yeah, very strong. So I hope that makes sense. I yeah, just of course. went into this visual place. Um, <laughs> it does make sense. Yeah. yeah, it does make sense. And unless you've had that experience, it's kind of hard to explain other than it feels like complete and total bliss. You don't really you can't really articulate it any better than that. And uh, and I hope that everyone gets to experience that sooner rather than later. But how do you, in the meantime, while we're waiting for these divine masculines to do their work and, you know, praying all the time that they speed that process up because our world needs to change and it can't without them. But yeah. how do you help women step further into their divine feminine embodiment using the Soma Shamanic practice? It actually comes up all the time. So um, one of the things that I've noticed um, with women is this depletion and exhaustion that they go through. They're doing a thousand things at once. They've got so many different roles. One of the main things that I do is I talk about rest and integration. And we have our moon time every month that blesses us with this. So this is a perfect opportunity to stop and rest and integrate. Like I come from, traditionally on my mom's side, I come from a Jewish background. We're Iraqi Jews. And one of the things that I've always appreciated with that heritage was the Shabbat, which is this rest period. Like it's so clever and simple. Turn everything off. Don't talk about work. Don't do, just be. And that's what our moon time does. And even if you don't have your moon time, it's okay. You just use the dark moon. 
you know, you use, you still run with the moon, but um, you don't bleed. So yeah, this is a really, really big part of me um, helping women to just be and receive instead of do and constantly act. Oh, of course. I, I know from my own experience, I've had a number of different issues with, you know, fibroids and, you know, he- heavy cycles and so forth, sometimes so traumatizing that I haven't been able to walk. And I used to fight a lot to, to push through that. I had to, I had to be in my corporate job. I couldn't take time off. You know, yeah. I couldn't explain that actually, you know, I, I, I'm mentally, I can't, I can't function when I'm in this amount of pain. Um, and there was, there was no real understanding. And again, that talks to the fact that people are disconnected from the realness of what others are experiencing and honoring yourself and resting. That's such a big part of the divine feminine embodiment. I I, I have learned, I've, ta- I've had to reteach myself how to rest and, and not only just resting, but resting with no guilt, which is a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, it is. It's so hard for women to rest. It's and, yeah. and because I, I should be A, I should be B, I should be C, I should be D, I could be, you know, I'm, I'm not giving enough, I'm not doing enough, but that rest is that self-respect, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it's um it's that divine mother looking after the inner child. Like you need to go to sleep. Tomorrow's a big day. You have to have all your strength. It's like <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. Totally. Um, it's incredibly important. Like this is the reason why we have sleep. Like our bodies are a blueprint for what we need. You know, we yeah. So we process so much when we stop, and sometimes people are scared of that too. They're scared of stopping. Because of all the stuff, the unprocessed stuff that will come down on them. Absolutely. Mm. So, so when you're communicating with those who haven't done any inner work, what is that like for you now? Because you, you're, you know, you're obviously the embodiment of the divine fem- feminine, and you are divine in every aspect. I adore you. But <laughs> what's that experience like from your perspective? Does that feel really challenging, or is there a, a compassion that comes through when you're talking to them? What does that feel like? I was talking about this last night to my two friends, okay? Basically, it's a full circle feeling because like if if I can overshare something that happened to me. So yeah, trigger warning, I was suicidal. That means that I have been to rock bottom before. So when I see clients that are at rock bottom or, you know, circling that kind of vicinity, I fully empathize with them and I can go into that space of knowing exactly what they're dealing with and where they're coming from. So it it just feels like this full circle moment where like I remember how I used to be and I'm so grateful that I have gone through it so that I can be here today and be a much more resilient and stronger person and be able to hold space. So yeah, I hope that answers. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I still have moments where the, the majority of the time I'm compassionate, but then there are some other times where there's a bit of tomfoolery, if you will, um, from, you know, uh, other unhealed people. And my patience is low. My patience is very low. And uh, luckily that's getting less and less now. I'm not, you, you know, I'm not having to put myself in those circumstances. But most of the time it, it is genuine compassion because I I understand, I mean, both of us have had a great deal of healing already, but imagine trying to start that process now in the world that we're in, 
you know, it would be so excruciatingly hard and challenging to do because on top of everything else, you've got the the world falling apart, left, right and centre. There's conflict and divide at every turn. There's interest rates Mm. going up like there's no tomorrow. People are trying to keep a roof over their heads. Then you've got the issues with the schooling system and, 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 and all the agendas that, you you know, we can mm. think of and talk about. But mm. um, at the at the end of it, it is it is about compassion. And uh, I've talked to other guests about that too. Uh, and I, I really do think that that's the best choice in all things is love and compassion. And that's how you mm. stay connected to the divine masculine, isn't it? Yeah, and that's also how you don't separate yourself from us and the people with the agendas or who are following the agendas, like, you know, in the last few years, it was really hard. There was so much separation. And I, I was so in it for a while and so politically outraged and everything. And then I realized I was exhausted and I was getting sucked into the different narratives. And what my shaman kept saying is he said, you've got to be the heart of the eagle. You can't be the left wing or the right wing. You've got to be in the heart and what does the heart of the eagle think? And I was like, damn it, you're so right. <laughs> like, okay. So I ended up just seeing like everybody was like a bunch of school children bickering in the playground and um, they're really going through their processes. Each side was triggered deeply by something. No one was wrong. No one was right. Everybody was very triggered. It was heightened. And so that, that really helped me, like that really helped me have my compassion. But for a while, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> and, and, and it is, you know, as, as humans, you know, in these meat suits, it is challenging to not be occasionally yanked out. I, you know, I, truth be told, I was in that mode yesterday because I've got the ability to feel so deeply I can feel not only the light of people, I can feel the shadow aspects as well. And so when I'm hearing the Australian treasurer announce that we're going to have, you know, digital um, currency and, and that whole agenda, that I got yanked, I felt the darkness in its entirety and what all, all of the people that were attached to it. So, of course, you know, it triggered a physical response in me that wasn't great, to be honest, and it took a little bit to undo and detach. And I've got a great deal of support around me that that also helped me when I'm in that mode because sometimes I just need that assistance to disconnect from it because it is so severe. That, that polarity between the light and the dark is still very, very severe. So I, I can understand that. But coming back uh, to the truth and that 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 neutrality of being able to see both sides and being that eagle, as you say, is really the best place to be that because that not only are you seeing things from a much higher level, you're also seeing everything in its entirety. It's not just a one-sided view. You're seeing all aspects. And if you're really in balance, just like ourselves, how juicy is that? Just like ourselves, you're seeing the best of the feminine and the masculine. You're seeing both the shadow side of somebody and the light side and that of yourself too. On both sides. On both sides. And that's yeah. how I, I truly believe that's how that union comes together. When when a person is able, both people are able to see the light and shadow within themselves and therefore can see respect and love the light and shadow of someone else that's it 
and yeah. no longer point the finger at somebody else. Like yes. there was so much, you know, pointing the fingers. You know that whole thing, like you point the yeah. fingers, fingers are pointed at me. Yes. Like, yeah, there's no need. It's just childish bickering. Totally. And for, for a good while there, well, actually for the majority of my life, I've been able to see the light and the shadow aspects sometimes you know, in those unhealed years, I stayed with, you know, people who were traumatizing me left, right and center and and interacting with them and choosing to do that at every turn. That's obviously not the case now. But eventually, I was still seeing the light and shadow of someone else. But that that sometimes people aren't able to receive it because they don't know how to do that on their own. They don't know how to look within. And so when you see, when you come across a, a man or, or a partner or, or, you know, romantic interest that hasn't done that internal work, if they have, if they can't see their shadow aspect or their light, it makes it very difficult to connect, doesn't it? Yeah. If they don't see their shadow aspect, it makes it difficult to connect because it's playing out and it's leaking out everywhere. Yeah. You can't see it when you're in that swirl. It's like impossible. And um, two people generally (laughs) attract each other when they're going through something like that in order to heal something too. So yeah, it is difficult, but the healing happens in unconscious ways that are a little bit more painful sometimes when yeah they're not directly seeing it but sometimes it takes that in order to see it totally and Mm. and also laughing at the shadow aspect you know not taking Mm. it so seriously either actually being amused by the not so great things you know like Mm. I, I can be extremely bossy and very naughty you know sometimes with things but all right, you know, but I accept that I don't need to be perfect in that way, you know. I can be on the other side of it really, you know, loving and and nurturing and all the things, but it it does come in a balance. And so when you can see those aspects, I think it makes it so much easier to see the aspects in someone else. But also I think there are still some divine feminine or like some some of the feminines who are not quite in that divine feminine embodiment who can see it in others, but they still are challenged to to be okay with the imperfections or the perceived imperfections within. I don't think being a divine feminine is like a destination or like a, a last stop. I think it's like a process, like a continuation yeah. on the day before. I think it's important for them to even like having that as a place to get to could be a restriction as well. It's just continual process of going to the edge and looking over the edge and seeing our stuff and holding ourselves compassionately. Like it's reparenting, like the divine yeah. mother and the divine, uh, sorry, actually that's what I was going to say. The divine <laughs> feminine is like, you know, the divine mother and the divine masculine is the divine father. And we're reparenting our, our little shaking wounded children. Absolutely. And that's and that's mm. why so much of the chaos that we're seeing is happening because we're just all wounded kids. Yeah. Even even some of the people that we're challenged by the most, you know, to look at them like a wounded child, not not as the adults that they are, but as the wounded children makes it so much easier to digest what you're seeing, what you're experiencing and what you might be on the receiving end of. Absolutely. And then with that, there's discernment. And you say, okay, I see them acting from their wounded child. So I have compassion for them, but this isn't right for me. And I have to step out. Yes. Yes. 
And that's where the boundaries, that boundary work is important. And that's what you learn initially after you have your awakening and you start doing that deep healing before mm. you start, you know, really embodying, you know, that that sort of parenting mother mode, if you will, you have to have that, you have to have those boundaries because it's, again, it comes back to that self-respect, doesn't it? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, yeah, something that you learn. Yeah. You learn because, because you go, I don't want to put myself through that again. I, I can't actually put myself through that again. I've got to do it this way now. Yes. So many things. <laughs> so many things for sure. So yeah. for those who are, you know, stepping into a new relationship, for those who are already in a relationship as well, how can they deepen their connection to each other? Yes. It's really important to put the relationship or the partnership first, like, well, to put yourself first, your relationship with yourself first, but to make the partnership or relationship a priority, like something that you continue to water and continue to garden and continue to work on. But yeah, the first thing is um, having self-responsibility, self-compassion, continuing to go to your edge and working on yourself, continuing to be real, saying your truth, not letting it hide away and lock inside you and creating safe spaces for each other so that you can do that with each other as well. Absolutely. Because you, you can't have one person working on themselves and the other person doing no work. That no, doesn't work. That's we, been my experience. That's well, been my whole. <laughs> me too. Me too. Many times. I don't do that. Yeah. No, but that's not that we don't choose that anymore. And we know to the, the, the things to look out for. And, and it, even having those conversations when you're, when you're dating, having those conversations about, so how do you, you know, how do you care for yourself and how do you take responsibility for your emotions? What, you know, what is some of the work that you're doing? And that's, that's not, you can't have conversations like that with people who haven't done any work at all. They quickly run away. From my experience, you want someone that's going to be able to answer those questions. And even if they can't, even if there's no specific things, like they don't, you know, have healing or, you know, whatever, they can articulate how they take that self-responsibility. Yeah, definitely. And and with that, it's like um, I've started being in the dating scene this year, right? And the first thing, I think I might have even said this earlier in the call, so sorry if I'm repeating it, my nervous system comes first before anything else, before I go on a date. If it doesn't feel good in my nervous system, it just means I'm not ready. And there's that whole thing as well. Like I used to have to push myself and force myself to get ready and have all these like cathartic type moments. But no, I'm I'm going with my nervous system and being in that feminine energy of really holding myself and putting that first above everything else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if a partner does that too, like if both of you are doing that, that, oh my God, what an amazing connection. A hundred percent. If you're feeling sick in your stomach and full of nerves, that's not a sign that something great is on its way typically. I, I've, I found, I used to think that that was uh, excitement and anticipation when actually it was my nervous system going, uh, this is not for you. And sure enough, that was exactly the outcome. Yep. I'm fully with you there. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, so that that the the nervous system is such a big part of our everything and it is so useful in all of the decisions that we make, not just in relationships, but in all the things that we're choosing. Definitely. Like I, I could say so much about it, but yeah, essentially if if I didn't choose that, I would be choosing I would be going down this trauma vortex kind of path where I keep putting myself in harm's way, going after people with red flags and things like that. And yeah. The visual that I'm getting in my mind is, you know, Julia Roberts in Eat Love Pray or Eat Pray Love, however you say it. And she's she's in Bali and she meets that, you know, beautiful divine masculine, if you will. And he just he just adores her and wants to give to her, but because of her experiences, she's not able to receive it fully. And because it's not a dramatic chain of events, because it feels easy and everything's unfolding without chaos, drama, it feels like too good to be true. She wants to run away, you know, and that is, again, just another sign of the nervous system uh, learning what feels right and what what is meant and what is not. Yeah, and what you're ready for and what you're not ready for. And it's a perfect opportunity to hold yourself in that time. That's what it's for. And after your nervous system, because your, your nervous system going sporadic isn't forever. It's it's this moment where your inner child is really in fight or flight mode. So it's an opportunity for the divine feminine, the divine mother energy, the oldest part of yourself to come in and hold her and ask her, what do you need? Like having a conversation, what do you need? What do you need right now? Do you want to dance with this partner? Do you want to sit back and just like following her instructions? Yes, mm. absolutely. And and again, no matter what decisions we're making throughout our day, that should be the question, what do you need right now? You know, when someone yeah. when someone inevitably triggers you, because they do, because that's learning and that's life and and uh, we've got some intense, you know, astrological energies going around at the moment, which is driving that to the forefront, especially in the next few days. It, yes. inten- it intensifies. So people's uh, frustration levels and patience is going to be a bit wobbly. But asking yourself, what do you need? And and doing that check-in before just reacting, I think, is is a really great practice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That is like the divine feminine and masculine aspects to me both yeah Mm -hmm. and and, and whether you're male or female it doesn't matter that that practice is essential for you know longevity and the things that we're choosing yeah I hear yeah Yeah. so changing gears now you're a change maker you're a, a, a divine gorgeous human being what do you love about being a change maker thank you for saying that I will take it let's see so probably I feel like to, I feel like saying I am a double Scorpio with most of my planets in the first house Scorpio. I don't know if you know much about astrology, I but it, there's an intense thing going on here. They're okay. totally intense, <laughs> and um, and it means that I'm constantly going through a death and rebirth process. And so, for a long time, I thought that you know life was happening to me, not for me, and what I realize is what I like most about being able to make changes is being able to embrace the death and let things go and like really stand in the fire, really stand in the fire and be able to walk out like not burnt and realize that I'm not going to actually die because I've been in that 
you know, suicidal portal. I've been in that a few times. And what I realized is that I'm not actually going to die. Just things are about me are dying so that I can be reborn. And being reborn is being my most authentic self. And it's basically being this sparkly inner child who wants to come out and dance and play and sing and laugh. And so, yeah, I hope I've, I hope I've answered that. Um, just being able to step into the fire and transform. Yeah. I love that, you know, being reborn is being my authentic self and stepping into the fire is the key. One of the things that actively frustrates me about the fake spiritual, if you will, that we're seeing on our socials, everyone's, you know, yoga posing in a bikini and and doing all these wonderful, you know, gorgeous, they're gorgeous photos, beautiful, but that's not to me. That's not healing. Healing is stepping into the fire, sometimes being in the freaking fetal position, rocking back and forth for a bit and being in it to be able to come out of it and go, yes, I have done this. And that is what, to me, real healing is. Not I'll hold a couple of crystals, even though I'll wear crystals all the time, not I'll I'll just stay like superficial with it. You have to get in. You have to know that feeling of that gut wrenching, you know, heart cracking open healing. Yeah, you can't just show one side of the bliss. You can't yeah. just show oh the bliss. No, the bliss happens after your rebirth. That's right. If you if you've done sweat lodge before or plant medicine, that bliss is the arse end of it, okay? (laughs) It's the part where you've come out of, it's the the butterfly part. Like the first part of it is the absolute crumbling. And and so they've got to dance together. You can't just show yoga poses on the beach. It's got to be the real thing. Absolutely. I feel like this because I've just gone through a huge transformation and it was, you know, (laughs) yeah. And you want to see that that realness, and and I guess it is scary to to, and I I would assume that it's challenging for people who haven't done any work to see that side of things. It doesn't look appealing to have to break through and and have your world turn upside down. It doesn't feel good to to think that that's what's going to happen if you start to open the door. But the universe, I always say the universe gives you a a little tap on the shoulder. It gives you a little nudge on the back. It gives you another bit bigger nudge. And Mm. then when it knows that you know that you have to do that and you're avoiding, it gives you a boot down the stairs and it's usually face first all the way down. And it is so trying to go willingly with it is the key and as you uh, as you do more and more of this kind of work you understand why that's necessary and why being still with it even in all of that uncomfortableness being still with it is so critical definitely that's it yeah I I I completely understand that analogy I've been through it many times kicking and screaming and even if you're like you know you've been doing this for 50 years there's still going to be moments when you go kicking and screaming when your core wound is triggered but standing on the edge and and being self-aware and knowing okay this is a trigger coming up just having that self-inquiry and really listening that is the open door that you need and then you end up 
you getting you get the lessons, but they're nowhere near as brutal and hard. And also, um, you also get this sense of support. You get this sense of holding from the from the mythic realm, from yes. the soul realm. You really do. And then life starts to mimic that too. You start to see it in real life, like the synchronicities. But also, you start to see that okay, spirit really likes the path that I'm on. I'm starting to meet these aspects that are are representing the highest path that I'm trying to go on. Yes, yeah, that resonates so much. Absolutely. Well, we could talk for hours, um, mm. but I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on the show today. I've loved our conversation. And I, as I said many times throughout our conversation, I absolutely adore you. I love the work that you're doing. And I look forward to seeing more of what you do in the future. Mm, thank you so much. I adore you as well. And this was such a pleasure. <laughs> I love how deep that we went. And yeah, <laughs> Me thank <too>. you. <laughs> <laughs> Me thank too, you. gorgeous.